0: I'M BACK, BABY! OH MY double CRAP! Do you know who I am? No,
1: but maybe if you hum a few bars.
0: Yes sir, random kid I just met!
1: You know, this man's forgotten more about pain than you'll ever remember. About pain. About forgetting about. It's Jake C. Lee.
2: I am the low rating
1: that cancels your program!
2: I thought you were made of sterner stuff.
1: Don't be jealous because I'm attractive! You know what? You just made the list! <laughs> oh wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. It's time
2: to check the link. I like that. I didn't do anything wrong because I can't do anything wrong.
1: Hooray! People are paying attention to me.
2: It's all in sports.
1: Game on everybody. It's all in sports. Jake Seely at All in Kid. Chris Meany at Chris Meanie. Big show today. Another second half special guest, which you'll have to stay tuned for. Talking NFL free agency, talking some baseball which we're going to do both of, and a lot to catch up on free agency that we didn't even get to on Tuesday, Chris and myself. And one, as we're starting the show, (laughs) apparently we woke up to this morning. It's an interesting one. Dante Moncrief is replacing Antonio Brown, Chris. And no, that's not even going to be a glimmer of what he's doing is replacing him. But let's not forget, Dante Moncrief has a nice season under his belt. Granted, it was Andrew Luck and the Colts. The Jaguars tried this last year. They tried the basically what the Devin Funches deal was with the Colts. It was like, hey, a one-year, let's see if we can get a touchdown maker. Dante Moncrief from the Jaguars was like, hey, he actually has the talent to be there, number one. And Injuries and other situations obviously derailed that happening last year. But they gave him a two-year contract which is basically a one-year deal and kind of, hey, you know what, if things work out, we're going to keep you around for two years. But the two years makes you think at least they, they think a little bit more than a Devin Funchess flyer, and there's some hope here. So fantasy-wise, real-life-wise, uh, what are your quick takeaways here already?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, so much has happened, Jake, since we last talked. It's it's hard to believe we're leading with Dante Moncrief, but I, I understand it just it just came through. You know, the biggest takeaway for me is that he played 16 games, right? You mentioned he's been hurt, so a lot, the year before, 12, the year before that, now nah, he's never been able to stay on the football field. So just looking at some of his numbers, 89 targets, 48 catches, those are, you know, close to his career best from 2015. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be an offense that is obviously missing some pieces in, in Le'Veon Bell from the year before it didn't play, and, and, and obviously Antonio Brown. So, not exciting for me from a fantasy standpoint. I feel like they're definitely going to draft somebody, but he could be a three. We know that Big Ben, we know the narrative with Ben that he likes to throw the football a ton, and that's probably not going to change. So... You got a lot of attention going to Juju. So Moncrief could, uh, as long as he stays on the football field, he could rack up some targets. And I think last year's numbers are probably, you know, he could beat them. He, I'd say he could beat those with a better quarterback and a better offense.
1: Yeah, I definitely think so as well. And I think the, the only question here would you have is how healthy can he be? And you mentioned it. He played 16 games. I think that you put him on a team like this and you kind of get basically similar to hopefully the production we were seeing with the Colts, obviously, Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be the number one when it comes to targets, production, and everything like that. Uh, we don't have Le'Veon Bell here anymore, so you could have Dante Moncrief making a case for number two. The only issue that I have, personally, is that I really think James Washington is the second most talented wide receiver on the team, even with signing Agreed. Dante
2: Moncrief. A big time. Yep.
1: Yep. So, whether or not James Washington is healthy comes into play for me. I think both of them can be productive fantasy wise. I think this is going to be something we have to watch. And if James Washington is healthy and can make that leap this year to become their number two and get you know basically a rapport with Ben Roethlisberger, which hopefully he has that little extra. There wasn't a full season, obviously, but maybe he's got that extra little advantage of having to been with this team last year. We could see Washington even break out. But I think one of the two is going to be somebody that's at least in the wide receiver 3 conversation, unless we just play the back and forth game every single week. And then all of a sudden now we're looking at wide receiver fours and it's, well, I guess hopefully maybe this week it's, Who's like, because I think we have to say is, you know, Judas Smith Schuster, and I tried to put his name into basically two syllables there. <laughs> you did, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to combine it down. <laughs> uh, yeah. Judas uh, yeah. Smith Schuster is a big slot. So it's not like, hey, James Washington needs to be in the slot, Dante Marcuse outside. So there goes the snap count or something like that. And James Washington is a player who. People don't realize he can play outside. So I think it's like I said, I think it's going to come down to Juju is the number one. I would expect very similar numbers to last year, Uh, maybe a little bit more increase in targets, maybe a little bit dip in efficiency, but very similar numbers. And he can handle being the number one for those people out there that are worried about that. Uh, I think there's going to be appeal here. I hope it's Washington. It wouldn't surprise me. It's Moncrief. I just hope it's not back and forth and back and forth and back and forth.
2: Yeah, I mean, it might be uh, at the start. I I agree that it's Washington. I think he's the better talent. We'll we'll see a little bit more from him, obviously, this year. But let's not forget Big Ben. I mean, 675 passing attempts. That was the most in football. Luck checks in at second with 639. So this offense is really, like, we say it's not going to change, but... It, obviously, going to a little bit with no Antonio there, but he's still going to throw the ball a ton for for Ben. So maybe his yardage comes down, and I agree about Juju as well. So you know he faces top coverage, maybe he gets more targets, maybe the efficiency comes down. It's probably going to offset just just slightly. Vance McDonald have a little bit of interest in in him as well, but we'll see some more pieces fall. Uh, probably over the next and, obvi- and obviously they're going to draft Jake. I mean, they do a great job of drafting wide receivers over the past years. They've always seemed to to find a couple of them. So Antonio Brown was a late one that they found, obviously, for from years ago. So uh, interested to see how this plays out. But yeah, Washington is the guy that I that I want to take the the flyer. I don't think there's more upside, a higher ceiling.
1: All right. Well, we did or I did I buried the lead here. Uh, let's get right to it. And well not right to it, but now let's get right to it. And the Giants trading Odell Beckham. Um yeah, Chris, you know that I was banned Mets and that until the wool were gone, I wasn't rooting for them anymore. I wasn't buying paraphernalia. I wasn't, you know, spending extra money going to a game if I was in New York. Like, the Mets were, hey, you know what? If they win, whatever. If they lose, whatever. I don't care. Actually kind of hope they lose because I want to get rid of the organizational front. Um Somebody's eclipsed that now. (laughs) The the Giants are now in first place. The Giants are the first place of teams I don't give a living whatever about because until David Gettleman is gone, Dave Gettleman, whatever you want to call the analytic mocking keyboard making signs in midair idiot. Loser. Yeah, oh, God. And the thing is, if you would have gotten two first and something else and a third and a player, okay. You can't pass that up. You're trying to uh, you're trying to acknowledge that you need to rebuild without rebuilding. Yet, you're still playing this game of let's rebuild with Eli Manning. And I know the jokes are out there. Well, what better way to rebuild and keep Eli Manning a quarterback like Blake Bortles being a quarterback for the Jaguars, even though they weren't rebuilding last year. I understand the joke is what I'm saying of like, hey, what better way to do it than to have one of the worst quarterbacks in the league? Still, uh, you can even tell because – I think, Chris, you know by listening to me right now and people out there listening to me right now that I should probably be going off a lot more than I am. I mean, I, yeah. know, I know my initial reaction is, but I've already been so desensitized since it happened that it's just I I hate Dave Gettleman. I legitimately a 1,000 million percent hate this guy. I hate what he's doing to the Giants organization. He is, for all the jokes out there as well, has turned this team into the Browns, and the Browns have become – One of the best teams in the league, what the Giants would hope to be, and they were a couple of years ago, winning Super Bowls. But on the we'll get to the Browns side of it, but on the Giants side of it. From fantasy perspective, let's, talk, let's do that. Let's do the whole thing. From a fantasy perspective, Sterling Shepard, I'm selling high in Dynasty right now for the people that actually think he can handle being a number one. I don't think he can, just like Randall Cobb when he was asked to be the number one for the Packers. I'm not saying they're exactly the same wide receiver. Just saying, I don't think he can. I think they're either bringing somebody else in or convinced that Corey Coleman is going to be the answer or whatever. Oh the, yeah, I don't care. Whatever. Saquon Barkley's going to touch the ball a bajillion times. And for all that, uh, hopefully he lasts long enough to see himself through the rebuild. He might not last through an entire season from how much they're going to use him. But he's still number one. He's still in an argument to be the number one running back just from all the touches. Because the offensive line, you know what? He paid attention to that. It's actually pretty good. They just need a right tackle now. But the Giants, as an organization, I feel bad for Giants fans. I, you know, I'm know, i not picking another team. I texted you and said, go Browns, because you and I were rooting for them last year. I'm a huge Baker fan, so I was kind of rooting for them anyway, especially when I said they were probably going 7-9. and nine. So. I, I'm not being one of those fans. I'm changing teams to the Browns. But until further notice, go Browns. Fancy wise it'll be fun for Barkley. Uh, headache at times. Oh, and Evan Ingram's arrow is pointing up. But I, I just – we'll talk about the Browns in a second.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely can sense in your voice it's like the final straw, right? It's It's just – Move after move after move that has been puzzling and has been frustrating from, you know, the Giants standpoint, you know, and Dave Gettleman passing a baton over to, you know, John Dorsey and or maybe the other way around of like, you know, you're the worst team in the league and now you're the team <laughs> that has, you know, the, the up and coming prospects and young players and yeah, we'll get into Cleveland slightly you know, I have Shepard and Ingram in, in a dynasty format. I, I also agree that I don't think Shepard can handle top coverage. I am a little interested in Ingram if he can stay healthy on the football field. But it, it sounds like they're going to keep Eli Manning around for another season. So it's hard to get too excited about this offense. You're right about Barkley. I mean, he had a, an unbelievable season last year, catching a lot of footballs out of the backfield. So that's not going to change. He's probably going to lead the lead his team in targets and catches again. It's going to be a brutal offense. It's it's really puzzling to to see. It reminds me a lot of Jacob, and I know not a lot of hockey fans here, but with uh, PK Subban and the Montreal Canadiens, PK Subban was so pol- polarizing of of a figure and. There was a, a contract dispute whether they wanted to sign him. He wanted a ton of money. The management didn't want to give him that money. Then his hand was forced and Mark Bergevin, they the, the owners signed him to a huge, huge deal and then traded him the offseason and and lost a lot of the fan base. And they were wondering why. And they got the short end of the stick and they undersold him. It's kind of the same way with Odell Beckham Jr. It's hard to believe that that he was traded. But at the same time, I get it. Like I understand a little bit because of what we talked about with the off field issues. Like he is a phenomenal football player. He is great. He's on, un- he's unbelievable. And it's so crazy to think that Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham Jr. got traded in like the same week. Like these are unbelievable players. Like it's crazy to think about, but it's kind of very similar because there was turmoil inside the organization. They didn't get along. Odell Beckham Jr. Is doing interviews in the off season, kind of ripping his quarterback, Whoa. ripping management. I get all of that moving on. It's just, you just signed him to a lengthy deal. You lied to your, you lied to the fan base and said, you didn't sign him to an extension to trade him. You wanted to work. Well, he also said that him.
1: Jonathan Stewart still had a ton left. You don't He's pay to the metrics. He's, <laughs> like,
2: He's absolutely clueless.
1: And I will say this, look, there's two different situations here. And some people out there, the people who are fooling themselves into trying to argue for the giants are like, well, look at what they got in comparison to what Tony Brown got. Well, mm. two different things for the Raiders is Antonio Brown was forcing himself off the team. Antonio Brown was going to Instagram and going bananas and losing his mind, forcing himself off the team at 30 years old with wanting a new contract. Odell Beckham is hitting the midst of his prime at 26, is already argued to be one of the three best wide receivers, along with Antonio Brown in the league. Wasn't out there on Instagram, wasn't, and we talked about this on Tuesday, the the thing with Odell Beckham is he's an emotional competitive player. We hear reports, of course, like the lady that was on NFL Network talking about what Odell Beckham helped her personally in her life, and we have somebody that you and I used to work with has talked about when he interviewed him. He was one of the nicest guys he ever met, and the fact that somebody on Twitter tweeted out that he showed up to Texas for a girl on her dying bed and stuff like. That. And I'm sure Tony Brown's done similar things. It's just Odell Beckham gets all this hate for, as you said, kicking the nets and like all this- the tantrums on the intense. field. He's well, He's a competitive. He's a you know who threw tantrums on the field? Terrell Owens. You know yeah. who threw tantrums on the field? Chad Ochocinco. Randy Moss walked off the field on his team. And To be honest with you, Antonio Brown's more Randy Moss and Odell Beckham's kind of more the other two in the things we've seen so far. is like, yes, he's Gets upset and pissed off on the flip side. At least he's not saying, like, let's go back to last year. Odell Beckham showed up for OTAs and training camp and every when he was coming off an injury because he did everything right and he got his new contract. And as you said, Gentleman comes out and says, Oh, we didn't sign you to trade you until we did and until we blow up this freaking team. But hey, guess what? The Giants have an offensive line. Hey, guess what? That's it.
2: Yeah. And and, I know a video surfaced about an hour ago. I saw, um, you know, Mike Freeman tweeted um, and, and he, in the, in the video, it's, it's like Odell Beckham jr. is going over to some of his teammates and you know, the quote here from the tweet is he's trying to fire up the giants on the sideline and someone tells him to stop. And then he goes back uh, to another area and he says, nobody cares around here. Like no one cares. So I I said this to you on Tuesday, like I again, I think he gets a bad rap. He's very, very competitive. He wants to win. He's on the sidelines. And frustrated because he's not winning and he's not getting the football. So it's yeah, it's this is it's a brutal. It, yeah, they got a good return, I guess. You know, you get the first, you get third.
1: No, I no, no, yeah, no. I know
2: no. it's it's what are because, you gonna get, right? You never win in these football trades. Remember, when Brandon Marshall was a stud yep. back
1: in the day. What they get
2: from him, like two brutal picks, like a sixth and
1: because and a four you're four not eight, finding little you know. Beckham at 17 or in the third round or and the, uh, the worst he, case he is was good. a
2: late. It was wasn't he a late later draft pick though?
1: Who Odell Beckham? Yeah, no, Odell Beckham was right there with Aaron Donald. Aaron Aaron Donald was it
2: sixth. Yeah, I don't remember that.
1: that it was track. ninth, I think, or seventh. Yeah, I, I don't know, just let's throw out numbers and just,
2: oh, so no, I, he was twelfth. Yeah, he was 6 12 Twelfth, we're, we're somewhere in there. Six, nine, twelve.
1: You know, the only reason I originally so I, in my mind, I originally, I'm not gonna lie I said so, I said twelve all along. I really did think twelve, <laughs> but then when I said Aaron Donald's name, and I remember that it was the Aaron Donald, and they wouldn't have got him anyway. I yeah. felt like Aaron Donald was seventh or sixth. I felt like Aaron Donald went higher, so that's why I went there. So that means Aaron Donald's only eleventh in that draft, right? Wild, yeah. That 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 draft. If you look at what's in there, there's a ton of talent, and then you look at the top and you're like, "Ooh, some of these teams, man." <laughs>
2: <I could've laughs> yeah, 2014, uh, cool Clowney off the top, Mac fifth, Mike Evans seven, Hebron was ten. Beckham was 12 and Do- Donald's
1: actually 13. That's the biggest one. The Lions for five fans out there <laughs> took Ebron in front of Aaron Donald <laughs> and Odell Beckham.
2: Yeah, and a lot of uh, names here moving around through free agency. Um, you know, Bar Barr was taken ninth. Um, you know, Mac obviously just moved a little while ago. Bortles was taken 3rd. He he was just released or going to be, I think. And then Sammy Watkins, the first wideout taken off the board at
1: 4. Yep, Sammy Watkins. It was a big draft that year. All right, so Cleveland Browns. Yay! We already talked about that for the fun side of it, of course. Uh, you know, this is look. As of today, I think everybody would say the same thing. They're the favorites in the NFC North. Uh, they're probably the f- one of the four favorites in the AFC on paper, uh, but for a fancy perspective. I think everything's fine. I mean, people are going to throw I talked to last night Chris Harris on his podcast, and you get that cliche as, quote-unquote, not enough mouths to feed. There's only one football to go around. Like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, guess what? doesn't bother the Rams. Guess what? doesn't bother – I was about to go down the list. But it doesn't bother teams with nice offenses, and this could be one of the top five – should be one of the top five offenses in the league. I do think it slightly dings Jarvis Landry because you know this. We've talked about it before. He's basically a very much how many targets you're going to get. That's how much production you're going to have because it's been his entire career, almost a flat line for that. So he drops a little bit, but Odell Beckham, top five wide receiver, Baker Mayfield, a top 10 quarterback, Nick Chubb, to top 10 running back you and i already have talked about that i think of course you know the cream hunt's a whole nother issue but you and i already broke down that part if people want to go back and listen and said you know that cream hunt is probably more just brought there for insurance is a very shrewd move if anything were to happen to nick chubb but probably not a serious threat that was the short version uh david njoku maybe a slight ding too but guess what he's still a top 10 kind of tight end chris because heck, yeah. you catch 700 yards, you could catch one touchdown, you're still going to be a top 10 tight end at this point.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, I mean, you nailed it, all of it. That was my first initial thought, is Landry, you know, a slight downgrade for sure, didn't really work out um, on the outside, but now maybe, you know, less attention to bring it old out Beckham Jr., and and Joku, I still have some interest in him as well. And and I think the, the narrative may be that, you know, he gets a slight downgrade and he's not going to get a lot of targets, but it's going to be a good offense. And you're right, if he just catches a touchdown, he's going to be a red zone threat for, for Baker Mayfield. So I think he's a good buy-low candidate actually in, in Dynasty. I think you know owners could just be slightly soured on him. But yeah, you're right, man. We talked about Cleveland last year, is for sure just getting over their win total as a team that's on the rise. They're an exciting squad. I haven't seen their Super Bowl odds uh, change or update yet, but you know when I was talking to you guys a few weeks ago, and you know Joe's on the show, we were we were talking about Vegas and odds, and they were sixteen to one at that point. I'm sure they're going to come up to twelve or ten.
1: They have uh, to that yesterday. Perhaps I mean, there's there's no way they could have waited this long. I'm I'm sure. Like I'm not saying that you haven't seen like whatever right. they haven't probably. Been I saw
2: there. after Brown w- w- was moved to to Oakland, and then they were fourteen to one at that point. So they got to go up to ten. Um, yeah, like I said, I just, I haven't seen it. Um, well, I'll find something here as we go. Yeah, they're four, They're 14 to 1. So they really even didn't make that much of a leap, but everyone's going to be on them. They're the new <laughs> sexy team. They're the new fun team. Like, how could you not like them? I was super excited as well. Like, I love Odell Beckham Jr. I think he's phenomenal. I remember when he was drafted, I grabbed this guy in Dynasty. I've been cheering for him from a fantasy standpoint. I've been watching him play real-life football. It's fun. He's fun to watch. And I just look at this squad, yeah. and, and you, you mentioned Chubb, and... Baker, they got players on defense that are young. They they have they, like their whole like wide receiver core here are like all like Landry's twenty six, Beckham's twenty six, Calloway. Who knows? He's st- I still think he has something to offer. He's twenty two years old. And Joku is twenty two years old. Like is twenty three years old. Right? They bring in Kareem Hunt who's twenty three years old. Baker's twenty three. It's it's just it's impressive, man. Because a couple years ago this team didn't even, they, they didn't even win a football game. Do
1: you do you follow J.J. Zachariasen? I do. All right, so you have your Twitter up right now? Yeah. All right, can you tell me what he said? He says, I want OBJ to break records in Cleveland. And what's the tweet? Oh,
2: yeah, what's the tweet, yeah. For everybody
1: out there that doesn't know, he still (laughs) won't listen to anybody on Twitter, apparently ignoring all of you, who he hasn't. I am still blocked by Odell Beckham. I even tweeted at him, which you can't see unless people make him see it, which some people tried to. I have like five or six people who retweeted or responded to the tweet so he would see it if he looks. But, yes, Odell Beckham still has me blocked. I said, if I bought a Browns jersey now representing you out there, would you finally unblock me? Still nothing. I am still blocked by Antonio – or, Odell Beckham. I'm not blocked by Antonio Brown. Fabiano is. (laughs) So what did did Odell Beckham tweet? Because I I want to
2: So you mentioned the girl that he had helped out it was Kimberly Jones. And so it was so Odell Beckham Jr. was quote retweeting the, the personal note from her to, to Beckham. Um, oh, okay. So he was saying, Kim, I can't thank you enough for what you've done for me in my career. The side convos, the real life convos. I love you so much. Always in your corner and rooting for you. We're blessed. To, we're blessed to still have you in this world. And PS smile. This ain't a goodbye. My phone will always work for you. A bunch of oxidation right. marks in there. Yeah. All right. And uh, J.J. wants to, uh, OBJ to break records in Cleveland. And, you know, who knows? He might he may just do so.
1: I want so, too, because I want Dave Gettleman to look more stupid by the day, which is kind of hard to do at this point. And it, it would be well, very that's impressive. That's the thing,
2: right? I mean, you, you have a plan. He says he has a plan. But, you know, you, you brought back Eli Manning another year. It sounds like you're going to bring him that's back.
1: That's the worst the part about it.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. You're, you're letting all these talented pieces go on your team and and you and you're just yeah, I mean, to bring back Eli again, you don't even need to have him to tank and to get a high pick next year. It's just going to happen anyways, but it's it's time to it's time to move on and, and that's pro, it's it's almost like he chose, but I don't feel like he did like if you actually sat down and you were maybe you were friends with him and he was, and he was open and honest with you, and you had that question like did you really choose between Eli and Odell and would be like, "No, obviously I didn't. I know Eli's but it just seems like he did. <laughs> happened it just, yeah it yeah. seems like you did you chose between those two guys and you went with the older older quarterback so yeah, it's, it's not good man
1: he probably drives like a 1990 something because he doesn't want a computer in his car oh beep, beep, boppity i know what's wrong with my car like <laughs> god i yeah. hate him so much yeah um, you're not
2: alone you know you're not alone
1: Well, I know. I'm pretty sure most of all of New York hates him at this point, and I just want to – I'm so conflicted. I want to see this team and everything burn so he's gone, and D'Angelo Williams warned us about this. Um, Also, somebody else, like, stop uh, follows me on Twitter, but he never came on the podcast, jerk. But uh, (laughs) I wanted to talk about this very thing last week. I even dm me and ignore my DM. Thanks, D'Angelo. You owe me $50 for a video game we never played, and you won't come on the podcast, as you promised. Whatever. Anyway, I'm not bitter today. I'm not in a bad mood. I'm nope. Salty Jake this week. Uh, I want to talk about a few more before you get out of here, baseball-wise, uh, because funny enough, Brad Ziegler's coming up next, and he doesn't like does to talk a lot about baseball. He wants to talk football. I don't care <laughs> that I've played it. I want to talk football. So uh, baseball-wise, we didn't get this in. Um, and, yeah, yeah, all right, people. It's fantasy baseball is coming up. It's the middle of the season, or middle, middle of draft season. I'm drafting this weekend. The Adam Jones situation. So the Diamondbacks signed him. There's reports that he is going to start center field. Then there's reports that, no, he's just going to start often in center field. And Kendall Marte still will start out there, but also move around. So like Marwin Gonzalez and just be all over the place by the end of the season, he still gets his 550 at-bats. They just come from center, shortstop, second, like just all over the place. But the reports keep kind of going back and forth, and I don't think we'll have a clear picture this week. Maybe hopefully by the start of the season, where would you lean if you're drafting right now, Chris, because that's the problem people are drafting this weekend. Mm-hmm. Do you draft Adam Jones as a 500 at bat outfielder, which is going to be like, you know, 15, 20 home runs and 80 or so in the runs in RBI. Or do you downgrade him and think he only gets four, 450? And what do you do about kettle Marty?
2: Yeah, so I recently just wrote a late round category sleeper piece for for Fantrax, and Marte was in there. I mean, ADPs in around two hundred and sixty-ish, and I I still have him fine. I think he's going to be utility guy, but I I think he's going to get the majority of his of his playing time still in center. I look at Arizona, and I see. Well, I see Steven Souza Jr. in right field and somebody who's never really been able to stay healthy, and I just don't count on that. And if you look at Adam Jones last year...
1: No, 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 don't give me the cliche, it's going to work itself out thing. I hate when people... No,
2: you know, what? it's <laughs> honest. Like, I think the biggest downgrade altogether is probably Wilmer Flores because Marte can play second, he can play some short, he can play center. They want him to lead off, and they saw a growth in him last year. And for Adam Jones... Like Adam Jones is a nice, it's a nice addition. It's cheap. He can still play. But if you look last year, I mean, he wasn't the same. He's not the same four-time Gold Glove winner. His defense has declined big time over the past couple of years. He wasn't playing center regularly last year with Baltimore. He was playing left. He was playing right. You mentioned some of the home runs: fifteen home runs, sixty-three RBIs, his lowest total since two thousand eight. He's still a career a roughly two hundred and eighty hitter. He still had good averages last year, but. I think really Marte is still going to be a guy that gets 600 plate appearances. Early on, I think the bat had Adam Jones as like 300 plate appearances. That's wait, that's too low. I think he get right. de- to answer your question. I think he gets 450 to five. I think he's in around that range. I think I think Flores is is the loser here. I think he, I think his playing time is going to decrease a little bit. But yeah, it is disappointing because he's got some pop. He, he can hit. No, just
1: because everybody loves
2: Lemos Flores. Everyone loves him, yeah. And I was, I was wondering why. Like, I know there's a couple people with some because smart tried people
1: Because he cried on the, the field athletic. and he's
2: getting traded. It's yeah, a, but they like him from the, a fantasy standpoint, too. There's some people with the athletics some smart people in our draft guide who is, like, pumping up Flores. And I understand it, but I think this move hurts him a little bit. I think Marte's still going to be the leadoff guy for them. They're going to find a way to get him in, whether it's in center or, like I said, second or short. And he's going to lead off for them. And he's going to give you some speed. He's going to give you some cheap runs. Yeah. And, look.
1: So it's a decent lineup. It's, it's not awesome. I'm telling you, that's exactly... So what it is, is it's just... Wilmer Flores came up through the Met system, and he was always, you know what? I'll do whatever you ask me. You're not going to give me a full-time job. There is the potential and you saw in Fantasy, especially against lefties. are hey, like, oh, there's some fun here. And you know what? He just goes out there, and he does whatever he can do. He doesn't get a full-time job, but he'll keep doing what he can do. And that's so... You're like, hey, you know what? I respect that kind of guy. And then the trade came out and he cries on the field and doesn't want to leave the team. And then the trade doesn't go through and all this. And so it's like you got this emotional investment now. So that's just the fact that you're like, hey, I think he can do more than the Mets give him an opportunity to do. But then you get that emotional investment. So I'm going to be honest, is I think that partly clouded people's fantasy opinion too, is that now he's on a team where before this trade, it looked like he was going to be starting every single day. Yeah. And we were like, ooh, maybe he can finally break through this season. And I think some people inflated their projections off of basically hope, like really wanting it to happen. Um, so I just think that's why. Real quick before we get out of here, because now we're right up against it. And, you know, I'm just, I have a timeline today, people. I'm sorry. It's a busy dang on week. I'm going to New York tomorrow, and that's just what happens. Last one, the McMahon-Hampson situation in Colorado. Everybody was all over care at Hampson two weeks ago and for the steals. But McMahon is ripping the cover off the ball so far. And it's not like Hampson's stinking. But if you're drafting today, Chris, do you ignore it altogether? Do you take one or the other? Do you take both? And then you're like, hey, at least I got the right one.
2: Yeah, that, that's a really good question because I was on Hampson. I uh, had, you know, Vlad Sedler and I, we got together last week and we chatted exactly about this. And I was all Hampson, Hampson, Hampson. And then I see McMahon, to your point, like he is, he really is tearing the cover off the ball in the spring and he deserves the starting role at second. So they're both really cheap. In fact, McMahon is super cheap. Like he's basically well, so free. You Yeah. So So you can take both if you want. And then you have yourself. Um, you know, obviously, if you're playing in a deep league, you can afford to do so with with some benches and, you know, a league that you're going to draft here this weekend. You're going to have 30 plus rounds. So that's going to be, you know, an option. You can have both of these guys in Colorado, plus both young bats and Hampson got tons, tons of speed. Uh, Blackman, they, they played the other day and Blackman obviously didn't play, but they had Hampson leading off for the team and playing center field. So he's, he's a utility guy who can move around. We already know that about his speed, course, great lineup. I think you can play both, and they're going to have dual eligibility. You're going to have Hampson play second short. Like I said, maybe he can play center field sometimes, and maybe he can play outfield sometimes. And, and, and again, I don't want to go through the narrative of guys getting hurt, but Ian Desmond is another one, right, another one that, you know, could, something could happen to him, and both of these guys are in the lineup. So, yeah, you could target them both. I think, great. I think they're great late-round targets. They're not going to cost you anything. That's the problem with grabbing these guys that, oh, I don't want to spend that high pick on someone who's going to lose a little bit of playing time here and there. You're unsure. That's why they're going so late because of that. And I think they, they both have high ceilings. So I'm in on both. But I, I kind of lean, answer your question, I kind of lean like Hanson. I think you can have the better season.
1: All right. Here's Chris Meany. Follow you at Chris Meany. Follow you at your fan tracks, The Athletic. Um, anything else more going on? You, that, I cover everything. We're good. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, that's I'm going to start doing team. some
2: DFS baseball stuff with uh, the Quant Edge. That's, that's happening. Uh, there that you was, go. There's the announcement. There it is, yes. It was Chris just Meany announced It was just announced yesterday, so I'm thrilled. We got a good DFS uh, content crew there, and got the promo code MEANS. We'll save you $50 if you use it by Friday at midnight of for the whole season package. So lots of good stuff going on there. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, Chris Meaney. We'll be back next week. He's one of the best. And now for part two of this show, it is Brad Ziegler. In case you recognize the name, you're like, hey, wait, I know that guy. Yeah, he's the former pitcher who was the one that likes to throw it from, you know, a couple feet off the ground when he throws. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to lie, Brad. I tried to mimic you at times. I couldn't do it. Uh, <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just want to ask you this, like before we do the fantasy stuff, since I have you on, and you are somebody that I've watched, was that something, like, when did that start? Like, when did you say, you know what, I'm a pitcher, but instead of throwing it the normal way, I'm going to throw it the way that's going to make me successful?
0: Yeah, that was after I got to AAA. Um, I, I was in AAA as a starter, and the A's asked me uh, about um, converting to the bullpen, dropping down. Um, I, I had I'd always kind of changed arm slots a little bit here and there, um, kind of patterned myself a little bit after John Smoltz when I was a starter. And um, obviously, I didn't throw as hard as him, but, but we uh, – you know they they thought I had a good feel for switching arm slots, and um, they sent me back to Double A for that was in at the end of 2006 is when they asked me. So 2007 I started in Double A, um, made it to Triple A that year, and then 2008 was Triple A to the big leagues.
1: I still think that's one of the more impressive things because the two things when you play and you're like and you're a pitcher, you're like, hey, I'm going to try and throw a knuckleball and I'm also going to try and throw it sidearm or almost off the ground <laughs> kind of like that. It's like, and it's hey, you know what? That's a lot harder than it looks, and it doesn't work for me. Like the knuckleball, I could actually make it knuckle, but it would go about thirty miles an hour. So <laughs> right. of course yeah, it's I gonna was... have a huge drop off.
0: <laughs> I, I think I it's funny, I think I developed a lot of a lot of my feel for changing arm slots playing wiffle ball growing up. So I you know, just oh. whatever I could to strike out my neighbors.
1: I wasn't even thinking about that. Yeah, you're probably I'm assuming you're an amazing wiffle ball thrower. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> like, I used it around like you. I thought I thought was pretty funny. good in high school. I don't
1: know that I've even thrown one since high school. Uh, I think you'd be fine, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're we're here to talk about fantasy, fantasy baseball, fantasy football. Follow him at Brad Ziegler, by the way. Uh, He's somebody who's very invested, especially in fantasy football, if you don't know, and we are going to talk about that, but because I just left off with Chris about fantasy baseball, I want to wrap that up, put a nice little bow on it, just move into fantasy football. We left off talking about a situation in Colorado and Adam Joe's block. I want to ask you about pitchers, obviously, and when I asked you to do a favor, which I thought was really great, if everybody goes over to theathletic.com, you can put it front slash all in sports, you get 30% off. But my recent rankings update, Brad jumped in and told me about three players that were too high and three that were too low. I actually moved a few of them because you'll see the comments if you read it, Brad? um one the two of them I was like yeah you know what I I see your point but I'm not gonna really move them too much but the pitcher side of things is you were talking about the fact of uh, Dallas Keuchel and still not even pitching for a team and then how short of a window it is even if he signed today which he still hasn't which got me thinking not so much about Keuchel but yeah I do want you to explain that for everybody listening but can we attribute that to Craig Kimbrell, too? Like, Craig Kimbrell, yeah, obviously a reliever, different than just in your boat. But if he only signs today, do we have to have that same concern? Uh, in my opinion, no. Um,
0: the, as, as a reliever, especially a guy who, I mean, Kimbrell doesn't go more than one inning very often. If he's going somewhere, it's, it's primarily to be a closer. Um, you don't have to worry about it a whole lot because I always felt like in spring training – um. Once, once I was kind of a veteran and kind of had a good routine down the, that got me ready for the year, I needed about five or six outings in spring and, and I'd be ready to go. Um, you know, Kimbrel, I'm sure he's been throwing, playing catch, throwing bullpens. So he's probably ready to jump in and have a live BP his first day in camp, whenever that happens. And, and in that, from that point, he could probably theoretically be ready in about a week to a week and a half and ready to go in the season. Um, he may not be able to go back-to-back games or, or definitely not three in a row at that point. That'll take a little bit to build up, but you can you know, throw him every other day to, to start and um, kind of build him into that. And, and you know, whereas Keichel, no matter what kind of throwing program he's doing, he could be facing hitters for five innings on his own right now. If he signs with a team, a team's not going to just run and, and say, okay, well, you did five innings on your own, your last outing, so we're going to go ahead and, and run you six or seven today. It's not gonna work that way for a starter. They, you know, you're looking at a you know, maybe a two inning outing his first start, um, you know, skip four days, then you know, three to four innings, skip four days, uh, maybe five at that point. And then if if he signed today, you're looking at, at the earliest, he's maybe ready to throw, you know, four to five innings on opening day, and that's if the, the outings went well. If he gets knocked out in the, the first inning, he doesn't have a chance to to you know to build that pitch count up or build that stamina up. It's, it's going to shorten his second outing, which also shortens his third outing and, and so on. So I, I think it takes a starter a lot longer to get ready, especially waiting this long to, to face hitters in a competitive, um, you know, game action scenario. So uh, in my opinion, it, you know, if you sign Kimbrell today, you, you probably have him by opening day. But if you sign Keiko today, you're probably looking at the earliest, um, you know, a month from today, uh, if not a touch longer.
1: Yeah, so, and to your point, you said let somebody else draft him in the top 50. He's not in my top 50 anymore, and I, it's mostly, <laughs> well, it's not even, and to your point, it's not even so much killing his ratios or anything like that, and he's never been a high strikeout guy, but it's just sure. the inning. You have to pull back the inning. So, real quick, and then we're going to jump with the football. Um, from your side of things, from being a pitcher and everything like that, how could, if you're playing fantasy baseball and drafting this weekend, how concerned are you if you go and get Clayton Kershaw?
0: Uh, I'm very concerned just, you know, just because he's a, he's a little bit older, um, you know, now and, and I, I'm, I'm the kind of guy who, if a guy is hurt and I have anyone else comparable, I'm taking the guy that's healthy. And, you know, a lot of times guys that are hurt will, especially in spring training, you try to rush back and get back by opening day, or you, you have kind of a target date and no matter how it's going, you know, you hear about guys having setbacks. There's a lot of guys too, who have setbacks that won't tell anybody because they want to get back on the field so bad.
1: Right. All you know, right. Well, okay. Let me throw you a little curveball. Uh, let see what sure. I did there. Uh, let me ask you All this: right. If you're drafting today, <laughs> Clayton Kershaw, with the fact that he's throwing and trying to get back, or Severino, not knowing what his exact timeline is. Oh
0: man. I mean, if you <laughs> if you have to pick one, I would probably take Kershaw at that point. But you know, Severino. I think Severino at this point in their career has a much higher upside. Um, right. That being said. Like, <laughs> I don't know, I would be digging for another guy or taking a hitter and waiting another round and, and getting a pitcher in the next tier. Because I just, I would, you know, my, my philosophy would be to avoid both those guys. There, very rarely are you in a situation where, um, you know, in a draft that those are the last two guys in a tier and you feel like you absolutely have to get one of those and there's no alternative. Um, that being said, if, if that was the case, I would probably take Kershaw just, you know, just for the fact that he's throwing.
1: Yeah. Oh, I lied. I know you want to think about football. I lied. I told you I was going to ask you about Jose Ramirez because he was the very first one in the article. Um, sure. I'm going, to, I'm going to go a different direction. So for anybody, like I said, go read it. He, you know, Brad talks about what we've been talking about a lot in the fantasy industry is his struggle for breaking balls. How much of that, So especially coming from you, how much is that going to be where pitchers are like, you know what, going to keep throwing it until he can hit it? Or is it like, you know what, he can eventually overcome it because he just sits back and says, you know what? I can't hit it. I'll wait because he can't throw all breaking pitches. Like, I mean, are we talking about, I mean, Pedro Serrano from Major League? I mean, what's the level of, like, which breaks first in your opinion? Do you think the talent can overcome the pitchers? Or do you think you're coming from the pitcher side of things? Or are you just going to keep attacking that hole in his, in his game?
0: Um, I mean, there's no question if I was pitching, that's what I would do. I would, I would if I was throwing a fastball, the only way I'd put it anywhere near the plate is if I was you know, way behind in the count and, and basically had nowhere to put him. Um, he's too dangerous on a fastball to, to just give in at any point. So um, I'm, I'm throwing sliders or curveballs, whatever, you know, whatever a pitchers got, I'm, I'm throwing that until he proves that he can hit it. And obviously if you just kind of toss a cookie in there, he's going to be able to hit those, but you throw a good, you know, down the way slider. Those are the pitches that you watch him and he struggles with. And, and he got a little better last year about not chasing him out of the zone but he was still really, you know, really bad on him in, in reality on the pitches in the zone. And um, those are the ones that, that you get a, a pitcher, you know, a, j- just a, an average, you know, a, a good major league pitcher that has good command of a slider. And I feel like you can just exploit that weakness all day. And, um, again, it's not that he, he can't overcome it at some point, but in the second half last year his numbers took a big downswing. And I think this gradually, especially as analytical as the game is today, you're going to start seeing this in scouting reports. Like, don't throw this guy a fastball unless its bases loaded, two outs, tie game, and you have a 3-0 count. Because other than that, there's really there's no reason, really no reason to, to have to challenge him with that pitch.
1: By the way, sidebar here real quick. I think I should name today's episode Endgame to get, like, a <laughs> cut. don't know. Did you see that the trailer dropped today from, uh, for the Avengers? No, I didn't. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's basically like, are you, are you a superhero movie type of guy? I am. I, although I haven't gotten
0: into the Avengers much yet,
1: um, other than I've seen Iron Man, um, the Iron Man Whoa. movies. But Whoa, wait, 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 you haven't seen like the Thor and the uh, First Avengers or the Second Avengers or the. I last haven't. I, I own the
0: movies, but we haven't watched them yet. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> we have two little kids right now, and and TV time is is really challenging to get to. I I think you got to make some time. You're you're gonna be like the. Uh, do you watch Game of Thrones? I do. That's that's actually so. That's actually what we're watching right now to catch. My wife had never seen it, and so we're watching all the way through all seven seasons to, you know, hopefully finish by the time the eighth season is done, and we can just power right through the eighth season. Also,
1: okay, I was gonna say because you're gonna be like completely out of the loop if you haven't watched like the Game of Thrones. Like, no, more. I can't believe uh, that's your homework, dude. Your, your, your homework right, for right. you. Find some time. You know what? I'll, I'll give you the list, and you can just skip some of them. Like, if you haven't, have you seen any of the Thors? Like, any Thor movie at all? Any of the three? I was kind of anti-Thor for a bit because I was playing in the NL East and
0: with Syndergaard being in the division, I was, you know, I'm not going to support this guy's namesake.
1: So, because you can skip the first two of those, they're just not like you don't need the backstory and they're not that good. So I'll give you like, hey, you know what? This is. It'll be your quick version through the (laughs) Marvelous Universe and get you caught up. (laughs) All right. So, Chris started off the show with me. Uh, You might know that, not know this. Everybody listening does. I'm a Giants fan, or I should say, I was because I am on hiatus until they get rid of Gettleman. I am not buying anything. I've put things away that were behind me for my set. Uh, it's funny enough, I actually have an Odell Beckham Funko Pop that is no longer relevant. <laughs> um, he, oh, by the way, he's also he's blocked me on Twitter, which is always fun. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you re- remember way back when they were playing the Packers, because I mentioned this before with Chris. For anybody that doesn't know the story, this is the quick version of it. When they were playing the Packers in the playoffs, that was the whole boat trip thing that everybody sure. up in arms about. And as a Giants fan, but also somebody that always thought Odell Beckham got too much hate for being a very competitive player, but actually a really good person, if you've ever met him. Uh, I was joking the boat thing, and during that game, I said the Giants' corners would be playing better if not for the boat trip. Obviously, sarcasm, obviously with the fact of how stupid the boat trip news was, and, all that, and I got blocked. And I think he's just probably just assumed anybody who said boat in Odell Beckham, which I didn't tag him because I don't tag people unless it's like you and we're talking. But sure. I didn't tag him. I still got blocked anyway. He still won't unblock me <laughs> despite everybody's efforts. But That's funny. the thing is, is I'm happy to see him gone on the flip side for fantasy because it's going to be top five, fun, amazing. Everybody's all over Baker Mayfield. I said, Chris and I already talked about this, but I wanted to get your opinion too. And I'll turn it one way differently that I didn't talk about it with Chris Brad as I'll say, I think Baker Mayfield is actually a super sell high in Dynasty right now because people are saying top five for him. And I think top ten is a certainty, but to call him top five with Andrew Luck and Aaron Rodgers and all that type, like yeah, I think that's getting a little bit aggressive.
0: I agree. And I today and when they revamped their projections after the trade, they were saying that they had him as the number two quarterback. And I was like, You've got to be Who said that? Uh, it was it was on a CBS podcast. Wow. Um, I, I'm not sure who the guy was that was actually talking, uh, but he was talking about some projection rankings they had 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 you know a computer system that spits them out after they put the trade in. Had him as the number two quarterback, had him projected for over five thousand yards and like 34 touchdowns, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me! 34 touchdowns, maybe that's realistic, um, but there's no way he's a five thousand yard guy unless they're just playing from behind every single game. And if if that's the case, the the season's not going to any, anything like what Cleveland expects.
2: Right. Good so, grief. but I you know.
0: I, I I definitely agree with selling high on Baker. Um, if, if you can get someone that's, that's you know, just crazy about this, they think Odell's going to make, you know, a huge difference for him. I, I honestly think from Odell's perspective, it doesn't change his value a whole lot. I mean, he was already number one target in the passing game. He's going to be the same there. Uh, you know, he's definitely got a, a more accurate quarterback now than um, what he had the last few years in New York. But at the same time, no question uh, it's he, he's there's you know there's actually i would say there's actually probably better weapons around him now so and baker loves to spread the ball around he's you know he i think last year he even had a game where he threw like to nine different receivers and um i you know i, I think you're going to get the same thing out of beckham that you typically get you're going to have weeks where he scored you know 180 point or 180 yards and two touchdowns and insane weeks and he's going to have other weeks where he's going to have like three catches for 27 yards and and Jarvis Landry and and Njoku are going to go off, and you know Nick Chubb's going to score two touchdowns on the ground. I, I don't think you know Beckham. I, I'd still put him probably at the at the bottom of the top five or six receivers, uh, you know, fifth or sixth overall. But uh, it's not going to change his value a lot for me. And, and I would sell high on Baker if if you had someone willing to pay for it.
1: Yeah, people are dynasty wise are talking about hey, oh, not quite, but almost Patrick Mahomes value in a trade. I'm like, oh, pl- <laughs> dude, thank you, goodbye, see you later, yeah, Baker. Hard. I love yeah. you, dude. I, I really do, it's but. The bottom line is he's still a quarterback. And, you know, with the exception of, you know, Mahomes
0: last year, everybody's like, oh, this is, you know, this is what Mahomes is going to be. And I'm a Chiefs fan. I'm, you know, I love Mahomes. He's a great guy. I, You know, I've met him through Latroy Hawkins, who is his godfather. And as much as I love him, I don't think there's any way. There's a reason that 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns has only been done three times in the history of the game. Right. And, you know, when the other two are Manning and Brady and you say – Well, if they did it, you know, they were older when they did it. Like Mahomes can certainly do it again. And can he do it again? Sure. But is he likely to do it again? I mean, that's the extreme high end of another (laughs) perfect season. So I I think, you know, even, even Mahomes, if you say, okay, Mahomes is in a class by himself and everybody else, even if you put Baker in that next five, and I think it's a little aggressive to do that. But if you do, you're still talking about the number two quarterback to the number eight quarterback is like a difference of less than five points a week.
1: And it's- yeah, that's, that's the thing is if you look at it too, the difference between even, even if you took number two, if the difference between number two and number 10 was the same gap between Patrick Mahomes and Pat Ryan last year.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, right.
1: Which is just insane. And it's not, like you said, there's a reason it's only happened that many, you know, so few times. All right, so other situations out there. Uh, the Le'Veon Bell going to the Jets. Uh, this has been talked about obviously a lot. That was the one that everybody was waiting for the shoe to drop obviously Le'Veon Bell's situation with trying to get more money didn't exactly happen to the best that he wanted. He got slightly more guaranteed than the rumored deal at the Steelers were, well, but, you know, we're talking fantasy. So fantasy-wise, I'll least, I'll give you my opinion here first. I'm fine with it. I actually think that People are trashing the move a little bit too much with the offensive line for the Jets because everybody's like, "Oh, the Jets were at the bottom of the league. The Jets were the worst run blocking and power runs when like second, third, or the last." And you know, outside, like, I don't really care because it's Le'Veon Bell. And second of all, I'll throw this out there: Isaiah Crowell averaged four point six yards per carry behind that offensive line. Isaiah Crowell is a fine talent. He's not Le'Veon Bell. I'm not too concerned with it and Sam Darnold's pretty much your average you know completion percentage to passing to running backs out of the backfield. So I think Le'Veon Bell's going to be fine unless, you know, this this year off took him, you know, athletically out of shape. That's the only question I have. I'm not really worried about the team, are you? No, I completely agree with
0: you and like his conditioning and um you know if if the reports are accurate that he was up around 260 um you know that concerns me a little bit because he if he is going to if he was that high and he's going to have to get that weight off before the season, he's going to crush his body before the season even starts, just trying to get down to a good playing weight. Um, That being said, let's say that's not, you know, that was a overblown. That's not true. Taking a year off, I I think does take its toll. Um, At the same time, I, I have no problem, you know, with this fancy value being on the jets. I would definitely take him in the first round of a draft. I think he's going to get a lot of catches out of the backfield. And um, the big question to me is, is Adam Gase, enough watching that patient style of running like watch tiptoeing behind the line and if Gase is is patient enough to sit and watch that and and keep feeding him the ball and understand like this is how he's been successful then I I think he's going to be totally fine you want to make sure that you hope the game script is good for him going forward because otherwise he's going to have to be catching passes you know out of the backfield because they're going to be trailing like like the Jets typically are. (laughs)
1: <laughs> That's, true. That's true. But hey, at least with him, he's not somebody that gets left out. I mean, honestly, that may be just fine by him for fancy value, especially if you're playing PPR. But, hey, get, you know, get him his 70 receptions. Good deal. All right, so Mark Ingram heads out to the AFC. Going with the Baltimore Ravens, it uh, was not a lot of rumors until late when all of a sudden it seemed like, hey, the Ravens might be in on Le'Veon Bell and then they weren't, and then it's like, all right, well, we're starting to add and put the pieces together, and it seems like, hey, that might be one where Mark Ingram ends up, and that's where he did go. Uh, I think that if you look at that, it's the Ravens are saying, you know what, we know Kent Dixon has never really come through on the projected talent and hasn't been able to stay on the field, and he's a fine talent, but you know he's fine in the passing game, but he's not the answer. Gus Edwards looked good on this team, but Gus Edwards also looked good on a team where Lamar Jackson was running all over the place, and it was the run-heaviest team in the league, so is it really Gus Edwards' talent, or is it Lamar Jackson helping the offense? So in any case, I think we know their assumption is the fact that the best talent is the one that they sign, and Mark Ingram. And to go to your point, you know this is a team that has a good defense, uh, lost a piece or here or two, but I still think it's going to be fine enough that they're in games. But I'm not worried about that for a momentum standpoint because it's Lamar Jackson running this offense, they're going to be running the ball a ton. And even if Lamar Jackson has to pass a little bit more to the running backs last year and hopefully improve in that facet, this is the same Mark Ingram who was catching 50 balls before Alvin Kamara showed up with the Saints. So I think he's back inside the top 15 running back conversation.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I love this move. And, um, you know, I, I follow some, some uh, accounts on Twitter that do fantasy polls where people are talking about, should I trade, you know, one of the, one of the ones was, should I trade Mark Ingram for 1.10 in, in a rookie draft this year? And I was like, if you're trading Mark Ingram for a 1.10, I would like you to join a dynasty league of mine just because I know I would run all over you. Like I, there's no way he's worth one. He, he's worth so much more than 1.10, um, in a rookie draft. And because of that, I like, I, I think it's fantastic there. He was still really good in 2017 and he was really good at times last year after he came back. So he's actually going to benefit from this quite a bit. Um, and, and you just hope that they give him, you know, now that John Brown's gone there, you just hope they give him some, some pass catching help, uh, on, on the
1: offense or the, from the you know, receiver side. I start to, um, semi rapper some fire somebody so we can get a lot of these in Tyrell Williams to the Raiders and move the needle for you at all or is it just you're in the same boat as me as hey look he's Deshaun Jackson I'm gonna use him in best ball but that's about it
0: yeah he's he's Deshaun Jackson in now moving to an offense that doesn't throw the ball downfield a whole lot so I and you know Antonio Brown is gonna just be the target monster so I don't even see him being a, a, a real fantasy option unless you're in a super deep league or, or maybe a best ball
1: how about Tevin Coleman? Let's get back to the running backs, and let's get back to somebody who, unfortunately for him, career-wise, I think was the one that lost the most money from last year because I'm sure you remember this. Everybody's like, oh, my gosh, could you just imagine if Tevin Coleman had a backfield to himself? Like, Tevin Coleman could be so good. Put him on this team. Put him on that team. He could be so good. And he got that opportunity with the Falcons. <laughs> Plenty of dang good offense in its own right and didn't do so well. And then you saw the contract, and I don't think that's what they were hoping for this year. So all that being said, you have know, Tevin Coleman with the 49ers, I don't think this means Jarek McKinnon's gone. Like, everybody's like, oh, oh John, goodbye, Jarek McKinnon. No, because Tevin Coleman needs to be a complimentary piece. Like, he was used at his best at, with Devontae Freeman with the Falcons. And point is, I think this is going to be a 50-50 split with whether it's McKinnon or Breida, which, I again, I don't think they necessarily get rid of McKinnon because Breida can't even stay on the field.
0: Yeah, and I, I think they, they're definitely sold on the fact that Breida is not going to be an every down back. That was kind of desperation last year um, when they went that route. But it's, it's confusing to me, and this is, you know, I, I do think they'll have some fantasy value, but I think on a week to week basis, it's it's going to be potentially very game flow dependent. And, and because of that, like I, I, my inclination, it reminds me of kind of a lot of the Patriots where you have, you know, Burkhead and James White and, you know, a couple of years ago, LeGarrette Blonde and you have, you know, Sony Michelle now and all these guys where it's like, it doesn't, it, you put them, I, I could see the, the 49ers backfield being where, you know, every any given week you have no idea which guy's going to take the lead in and, and, you know, be the guy and maybe they trade somebody you know, I think they're a little shallow at receiver right now. And, um, you know, maybe they, they try to move somebody for a receiver or they, they draft receivers high and and keep them all together and just have some really good depth.
1: All right. Well then two more before we get you out of here and people are probably not expecting the second one. (laughs) We'll get to him in a second. (laughs) Uh, The first Latavius Murray taking that old job from Mark Ingram over with the Saints. He actually dropped before the Mark Ingram news dropped. I, you know what? I think he could be very similar to Mark Ingram because if you look at Latavius Murray, he's been rather productive. He was productive on a touch basis with the Raiders. He was productive. We're basically anywhere you ask him to play when needed. And no, is he the top 15 running back in the NFL? Uh, no, I don't think so at all. But I also don't think that the Saints are going to give Alan Kamara 20 plus touches per game like they started the season last year. I think the only reason they even did that at the beginning of the season is because they knew Mark Ingram was coming back. Otherwise, I think they would have done what they've done in other cases when Mark Ingram's gotten banged up or hurt is found somebody else to share that load because you don't want to do that to Kamara. You're going to lose the explosiveness and the upside of him. So I think you bring in Latavius Murray, and you could easily see him getting eight, 900 yards, touchdowns, a couple in the passing game, receiving-wise and find yourself having an RB2. There will be a Mark Ingram, maybe a little bit less, and it will be frustrating because you don't know what weeks to play and you kind of stick them in there, but no. But you take them as your RB2 if you went wide receiver healthy, RB3 if you went running back heavy, and you're just fine with the up and downs because guess what? I think you know this, Brad. You can't have an all-star at every single position of your fantasy team.
0: No, and I like. I think this is – you said it perfectly. It's It's Mark Ingram maybe just a touch light. Um, but the, the one thing about him is, you know, that if Kamara gets hurt, Latavius Murray can handle the load for a while or, or for a whole season. He's proven that he was great last year when Dalvin cook was out. I, I think he wouldn't have gone there if they didn't have a, if they didn't have a plan to put him on the field a lot, I don't think he would have signed with the saints. And I think the the financial commitment they made shows that
1: too. So let me do a little quick ranking then. If you're in your draft today, which I, I tell people all the time, stop, I know you want to potentially get really fun values, and you're like, "Ooh, I got this guy before anybody else was considering, especially for rookies in this draft <laughs> coming up." But on the flip side is like there's so many landing spots that are going to dictate values in the draft for the rookies, and then also if one of these free agents signings, their team brings in somebody for like, there's just so I don't do it. I, I don't draft until the real NFL draft. But if you're going to, if, if for argument's sake, if, argument's sake, Brad, they're not doing what you and I are doing and doing fancy baseball stuff this week. And they're like, I want to do my draft. I like drafting fancy football year round. And you're sitting there between Tevin Coleman, Mark Ingram, and Latavius Murray. Quick little uh, like mid March. How are you ranking those three? Ingram, Murray, Coleman.
0: And, and honestly, it's not the only, the only decision for me is between Ingram and Murray. Um, I like Ingram being you know, the, the primary starter there. Murray's obviously uh, going to be behind Kamara and touches if they're both healthy. Uh, but but
1: I, I still like both their situations a lot better than I like Coleman going to the 49ers. All right. Well, then let me switch it up just a tad. Let's say your draft is this afternoon at 5 o'clock and 3 o'clock rolls around and Jeremy McKinnon is cut. Does that change Do you put Tevin Coleman first? No, I would still put him third, but it puts him a lot closer to the other two. It just closes the gap. Yeah,
0: because I I think Brede would still have a role there. He, um, they're just trying to find a way to to you know McKinnon's that he you know it, it, he may not be quite a hundred percent when the season starts this year, and and um,
1: you know they're just covering themselves to a point. Last player, and you chuckled when I sent you the text of the people we we're going to talk about, uh, because you responded to one of my tweets when Deshaun Jackson. I don't want to say forced his way, but, you know, we saw – I I just thought it was funny that he's like, hey, goodbye, Tampa Bay. He was still on the team and no trade had been announced, and this was even before, like, free agency really started – but all that being said, Deshaun Jackson is gone, which I just Godwin season because I am a Godwin fan. Everybody knows that. Sure. I love Chris Godwin. I've loved three straight drafts of Penn State, Penn State wide receivers of Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, and Deshaun Hamilton, or my Bay Sean Hamilton. So I'm super excited, at Chris Godwin. I think he could be a top 20 wide receiver. Easy because guess what? He was already clicking and moving along and getting close to inside the top 25 despite splitting half the season, basically, for all intents and purposes, with Sean Jackson. But I said that, and you followed up and said, Justin Watson. And I know who you're talking about, I know about Justin Watson, but I'm not going to say anything besides, the floor is yours, Brad. Talk about <laughs> Justin Watson.
0: I love Justin Watson. I like You look at, I mean, obviously, he, he went to a small school, um, but... You look at how good he was in college, and he, he he tested, I mean, tested off the charts. You know, he's fast. He's got a great speed score, a great burst score. You know, super young breakout age. But, you know, everything. He's big, six two, two fifteen. Um, he's got a catch radius. He's got every. He checks the box. And I I heard a lot of people saying last year, like they, you know, they were concerned he may go undrafted. Like he, you know, may be a seventh round flyer, and he's going to to you know jump for a team. And then the, you see the Buccaneers grab him in the fifth round, and it's like, okay, well. You know, who knows what the, the consensus actually was. But if that was the consensus and they went and got him in the fifth round, they wanted to make sure they had him. And obviously it's a new uh, new coach coming in there now. Um, well,
1: real quick, it, it, just to jump in and for the flip side for people that don't yeah. know, is that Tampa Bay staff also coached him in the Shrine game. So to your point is it might not even be the consensus. It might have been one of those situations where it was like, oh, we should have been paying closer attention.
0: Sure. Yeah. And, and it's he could be Adam Humphreys. And, and he's way more athletic than Adam Humphries is, so I, I think there's a chance that he could actually be super productive. Um, and and they're still basically out of running back right now. I mean, they I know they have guys roster, but they're you're looking at a, a 4,800 yard season from James and Solely out of necessity at the at the moments. So, um, I think he he slits in there slots in there very well. I know they just signed Rashad Perryman after um, you know he he backed out of his deal with Cleveland. Perryman does scare me a bit. I, I really think Justin Watson's going to, you know, unless they go and draft a guy really high, I, I think Justin Watson's going to start the year as the number three receiver in Tampa and and is going to have fantasy value in that offense.
1: It's fun to be in on these guys early and then see the breakout happen and, and get excited about it. But we're definitely going to have to talk again because we kind of didn't even dig in super deep on some of the – we didn't get to some of the other signs like Dante Moncrief happened this morning. I talked about that briefly with Chris – and all sorts of stuff. So we'll have to definitely do this again. I'm actually going to see Brad in person. Yeah, you know what? I already said where to follow you, Brad Ziegler. But tell everybody, you know, what you're going to be doing this weekend, covering the NFBC, and then like all the stuff that you're hoping to get going forward, like talking fantasy football.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm going to cover the the NFBC uh, for the most part. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, open for the taking, and and definitely looking to do uh, fantasy football as much as possible because. Uh, that's a true passion of mine. fantasy baseball' is something i'm having to to kind of relearn a little bit um, I haven't played it in in 15 years probably because you know you can't play it while you're playing because of gambling rules so um, I just got to the point where um, I, I look at hitters and, and pitchers way differently than just their their five by five statistics um, and so i'm you know from that standpoint'm I'm, I'm, I'm basically starting from scratch. I need fantasy baseball for dummies you know putting, sitting on my my <laughs> desk at night whenever I'm getting ready to go to
1: bed. Uh, or, or you could just read all my articles, right? That's what you could do. Yeah,
0: that's, I mean, trust me, I've been reading everything that I could trying to catch up. I After I retired, I basically checked out for three months and had no idea <laughs> what was going on. I don't,
1: I don't have to be bothered with it anymore. Fantasy football is more fun, I think is what you're saying.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But <laughs> at the same time, uh,
1: I, I still love baseball and I'm looking forward to going to games as a fan for the, the first time in a long, long time. I'm sure that's going to be fun. But this week will be fun too. Yes, I'll actually see Brad in short time and uh, like I said go over to theathletic.com 30% off but also theathletic.com check out the rankings fresh update today with the opinion of Brad in there telling me where I was a little bit too high or too low and I'm super excited about his bonus one because I have been so high on this guy that I'm not going to tell you who it is because you need to go read and find out why we both love him so he's Brad Ziegler I'm Jake Seely, it's been All for us. I appreciate you guys as always I'll see you next week have a good one